John chapter 8, we left off at verse 12. The woman taken in adultery. Uh, Jesus finally said to her, as all her accusers went away, Doth no man accuse thee? She said, No man, Lord, remarkably. And he said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Be sinning no more in a lifestyle. Then verse 12, where we come in chapter 8, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but you cannot tell whence I came and whither I go. You judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone. I am the Father that sent me. And it is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy Father? And Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my Father. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then Jesus again said unto them, I go my way, you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he said, Whither I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. Jesus here begins to speak. Um, the Feast of Tabernacle has come to a close the day before and he now makes this I am statement I am the light of the world it's the second I am statement he had said I am the bread of life now it's I am the light of the world the historical context is interesting in the court of women because it tells us here it was by the treasury that that was along the wall of the court of women then the court where only Israeli men could go was the court of Israel. Then the court of the priest above that where only the priest could go. This is where the court of women are. And the Mishnah, which becomes part of the Talmud, tells us that when they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, there was in the court of women a great lampstand, candelabrum, and it had four big globes on it that burned. It's not clear whether there were four separate ones or there were four huge ones attached to one stem. But the Mishnah tells us 
that it was 50 cubits high. That is 75 feet high. It was higher, they say, than any wall in Jerusalem. And there were Levites, young ones, that would climb some kind of a ladder. You guys that do any roofing, what does a 75-foot ladder look like? They would climb a ladder, and they would have to take up containers of oil because each one of the basins contained 75 liters of oil. I know. And then they would light that every night of the Feast of Tabernacles, and it was so brilliant, they said it lit up the entire temple precinct. Josephus said there wasn't a courtyard in the city of Jerusalem that wasn't lit by this great light. And it was a picture of the pillar of fire that had led them through the wilderness and then settled on the tabernacle as the Shekinah glory until it moved, and then finally settled there between the wings of the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. It came when Solomon's temple was dedicated, and of course the, it's, Ezekiel said it left, it lost. Ichabod, the, the glory left. So during this, is, are you interested in this? Okay, so during this uh, routine they went through, two priests would go and stand at the east gate and they would look towards the east. And they said, our forefathers looked towards the east and worshipped idols. Then they would turn around and look westward towards the temple and say, we will not worship idols. We will worship the Lord our God. So all of that was taken into consideration. So the interesting thing is Jesus here now compares himself to that light. Chapter, chapter 6, if you, if you take note, he said, I am the bread of life. There he compares himself to the manna that fed them in the wilderness journey. In chapter 7, he compares himself to the rock that supplied the water in the wilderness journey. And in chapter 8, he compares himself to the pillar of fire that led them through the wilderness journey. And, and in these chapters, he's saying, I am the provision you need for your present journey. I feed, I quench, and then with the pillar of fire, I protect, I illuminate, I provide direction. You see, for the Jews, it was a tractless wilderness. It wasn't like there was a highway there. It wasn't like there was a worn path. The only way they knew where to go is they would follow the pillar of cloud during the day, which had the fire in it, and the pillar of fire by night. When it moved, they moved. When it stopped, they stopped. They, pitched, they, they set up camp. So you and I travel in a trackless wilderness as well. Each one of us is on a pilgrimage. We have the Holy Spirit in common. We have the Word of God in common. But there are different callings on our lives. And each of us, in some sense, have a different trajectory in this world. We all have the same destiny. But each one of us then are traveling a journey we've never traveled before. And Jesus here is saying, look, I am, and it's emphatic there, I, no one else, me alone, in counterdistinction to all others, I am the light of the world, of the cosmos, of the universe. John uses this particularly word world 77 times in John the three epistles and Revelation and John always defines that word world by the context 
In 1 John, he says, anyone who has this, that's our word, this world's goods, and sees his brother has need and doesn't help him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And there he's talking about the physical things of this present world. And then he says in the same first epistle, he says, he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because all of these things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, they're passing away. And if you love the world, there's no room for the love of God. And there he's talking about loving this sinful world that draws us and pulls on that fallen nature, that traitor that still lives within. Then he tells us, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And there he's talking about the world of humanity, this ball of dirt we live in, this world of humanity. God sent his son to redeem lost humanity. Lost humanity lives in a world with all of its schemes, all of its morals, all of its prejudice, all of its hatred, all of its world, uh, war, all of its greed. That's the world that we're told not to love the world. And he says here, I am the Lord, not of Israel. I alone am the light of the world, he says. Then he says, he that followeth, the ETH there in the King James tells us this present tense, the one who is continually following me shall not walk in darkness. So the walk that he's putting in front of us is the walk where you and I are constantly following him. And he says, if we constantly follow him, we will not Remarkable there. It's the oime in the Greek. It's a double negative. It says that if we follow him, and that's our lifestyle, following him, that there's no way you and I will ever walk in darkness. And in fact, there's an article there, the darkness. Because what he's talking about here, the light, I am the light, and in, in contrast to that, there is the darkness, it's not physical light and physical darkness. He's talking about spiritual light and spiritual darkness. He had told us in the first chapter, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He's going to tell us in his first epistle, this then is the message which you have heard of him and declared unto you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Because Jesus just said, if you follow me, you'll walk in the light. You won't walk in darkness. John in the epistle, his first epistle says that if we walk in darkness, that we lie. If we're telling people that we have fellowship with him and we're walking in darkness. But if we walk in the light, now listen to me, this is important. Walking in the light is not how we walk, it's where we walk. 
he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. So you and I called to walk in the light. Uh, you know, you get saved and all of a sudden there's light. That light causes a problem with the things you used to do and the way you used to live and the morals you used to have and the things you used to smoke and you used to snort and you used to shoot, whatever. Your hatred. Also, we come into the light and then all of that becomes apparent. Jesus tells us that men don't come to the light because they know their deeds are evil and that they then remain in the darkness because they love agape, darkness, more than light. Paul tells us anything that doth make manifest, that brings into the open, is light. So anything in your life, if all of a sudden you realize this is wrong, I shouldn't be doing this, Paul says, praise the Lord. Because anything that does make manifest is light. God is shining his light. Because here it says you will have the light of life. It's something we have when Christ comes to dwell within us. There's an internal compass that we never had before. And he's telling us here that we then should give ourselves to constantly be following him. Constantly following him means we will never ever, ever walk in the darkness. And that is also spiritual. It's the darkness of ignorance, the darkness of hatred, the darkness of fear, the darkness of covetousness, the darkness of despondency. If we follow him, he's the light, we won't walk in those things. Look, it doesn't say for the Christian, cancer doesn't come to their life, or death of a family member or a loved one. It doesn't say there's not injustice in the world. It doesn't say there's not prejudice. It doesn't say there's not war. It doesn't say there isn't corruption. What it says is, when we walk through the same territory that an unbeliever walks through, they do it in darkness and we do it in light. Even on our deathbed, where the unbeliever is despairing. They say when Voltaire died, he screamed three times, more light, more light, more light, and he was gone. But you and I walk in the light, and we have the light of life. And when we take our last breath, when we close our eyes in this world, we immediately open our eyes in glory. And we're on the other side, and this is all gone. Everything's fixed. He says, in the journey of all of this, there is spiritual darkness. John tells us, but if we walk in the light, as he is in light, that the blood of Christ then continually cleanses us. We can repent. We see something that's wrong, something going on in our life that shouldn't be there. We have access. And Paul tells us those who don't believe are the ones who God has blinded their minds lest they see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. To understand and see the gospel, there's light that's necessary. Not the light that's in the room. A spiritual light. Something has to go on in the heart. You know, it's interesting. We all have the iPhone, some kind of phone now. And people are always saying, hey, we, we take a picture with you. And I'll say, yeah, I, I don't want it on uh, Facebook or whatever it is or Twitter. Just don't put it somewhere with weird captions. Uh, 
But photograph is from our Greek word here, light, photo. Graphe is to write. And a photograph is to write with light. That's what a picture is. And that's the picture that he's given us here. He's giving us this light where we see something. And he's telling us that we need to walk close with him. Follow me, he says. He's our guide. He's our master. He's our protector through this wilderness, this trackless wilderness. My advice to you would be this. Look, number one, stay close. Anybody who doesn't agree with me here? You're following him. Stay close. Don't run ahead. Ever done that? You can't be following if you run ahead. And then we always end up in a mess. And blame somebody else. Don't run ahead. Don't lag behind. Remember Lot's wife. Don't lag behind. You don't want to do that either. Keep him. He says, I am the light. Keep him ever before you in every path of duty and in every form of service. Listen, there's nothing small to him. If you write a note to somebody whose heart is broken, do it with Jesus sitting at the table with you. If you take somebody a meal, you know, they had a baby or they had surgery, you walk to that front door with Jesus when you bring that meal. There's nothing too small or too insignificant. If you follow him, you follow him closely. You don't go ahead, you don't lag behind. But in every service and in every form of duty to your Savior, you do it following him. You involve him in every one of those things. And if we do that, our life is one of walking with him. Listen, the fact that he says anyone who does this will walk in the light tells us specifically in this structure that there are those who will not. We happen to live in a world, and the Pharisees and Sadducees were part of that crew. There is going to be around you and I people that choose not to walk in the light. It's their decision. Maybe even religious people. Hugh Hefner, a playboy, was raised in a minister's home. Joseph Stalin studied in the priesthood. Mao Zedong was raised under a missionary influence. Karl Marx raised in a religious home. And they caused more destruction to this world than is imaginable. But they all had the opportunity to walk in the light. Jesus says if you're following religious people, Pharisees, scribes, you, you know, if you're following, you know, Krishna, Confucius, you're following money, you're following the material, socialism, Klaus Schwab, whoever you might be following, he says you're walking in darkness. If you follow me, you're walking in light. Even as Christians, we, we can follow all kinds of other things. You know, the psalmist would write, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lamp meant they were walking in the dark. The light meant they were walking during the day. But he said, "Your Well, of course, because it's his word. The first word of that is thy. And because it's his word and it comes from heaven, it's a lamp under our feet. Because he is a lamp and he is a light for us. 
he lays this out for the people that are listening, standing around him as he's laying it out for us this morning. And then it tells us the Pharisees, we expect them to show up, don't we? The Pharisees therefore said unto him, You're bearing, now record is witness, you're bearing witness of thyself, thy witness is not true. So look, down to verse 18 now, the, the issue for you and I to see is a witness. Seven times the word is used. I'll, I'll tell it to you here. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest witness of thyself, Thy witness is not true. Jesus said unto them, Though I bear witness of myself, yet my witness is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, and, and you can't tell whence I came and whither I go. You judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, and I am my Father that sent me. And it is also written, notice, in your law that the witness of two men is true. I am one that bears witness of myself, and the Father that sent me bears witness of me. So seven times this same word there is used, witness. Certainly you and I can't have a witness if we're not walking in the light. There's nothing worse for kids in the home than a mom or a dad are getting drunk or smoking, cursing, and saying they believe in Jesus. Because even kids have a baloney meter in their heart. And they know something's not kosher here, or whatever category they put it in. You know, it's, it's, it's more beneficial to go to them and say, forgive me. I, I, what, I did, what mom did was wrong, what dad did was wrong. Would you forgive me? I, I know Jesus will if I go to him. I want to I be a better example. That's walking in the light, and the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. But all of us have a witness. Jesus, this word seven times is before us here in a few verses. The Pharisees, and they said unto him, you're bearing witness of yourself because your witness is not true. Because it's said in the law that by the mouth are two or three witnesses, Deuteronomy, different places, that, that that's how you confirm something that it is true. And Jesus said unto him, Though I bear witness of myself, yet my witness is true. The reason? Because I know where I've come from, and I know where I'm going. But you don't know where I've come from. You don't know where I'm going. The, the idea is, I'm the light of the world. Light always bears witness of itself. You know, you see, you know, somebody light a candle a mile away on a dark night. No problem seeing that. Warren Wiersbe once said, he said, the first time I flew on an airplane, he said, I looked down and I was amazed thousands of feet in the air to see all of these lights in cities and villages. And I realized why in Great Britain they had blackouts when the Germans were coming to bomb. Because everything then disappeared. You know, you look up and you see a star that's millions of light years away. And when you see the star that's millions of light years away, you don't need another star to appear next to it and bear witness of it. Light does that by itself. But Jesus says he's going he's gonna to work with them in, as he did with a woman caught in adultery, he's going to work with them in their own charge now. He says, your problem is you don't know where, I know where I've come from. I put on flesh. I know where I've come from, and I know where I'm going by means of the cross and the empty tomb 
and the resurrection and the ascension. From the cradle to the cross, this is all known. To the crown, it's all known to me. You don't know that. You don't see that. You judge, the reason, the way you judge things is according to the flesh. I judge no man. He's going to say by himself, the father's involved. They just saw that with their law. They brought a woman in the act of adultery. They caught her. Not because they loved the law or loved Moses. Not because adultery offended them, but because they hated Jesus. That's why they did that. And here he says, I judge him. He said to this woman, she said, no man's accusing me, Lord. None of these Pharisees are calling him Lord. He says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and be sinning no more as a lifestyle. That woman walked away in the light. These accusers are still in the darkness. He says, I don't judge any man. You judge after the flesh. You judge in the natural. And yet... If I judge, my judgment is true. There's a reason. For I am not alone, like you're saying I am. But I and the Father, the idea is bearing witness, which sent me. Now the word Father is used 21 times in the chapter, by the way. It is also written, now notice what he does, in your law that the testimony of two men is true. Because they said, well, it's written in our law, the testimony of one isn't true. He says, well, it's also written there, the testimony of two is true. <clears throat> I am one that bears witness of myself, and the Father that has sent me beareth witness of me. There's your two witnesses, he says. Verse 19, they said, then they said unto him, where is thy father? Now, you know, that can be taken in more... Oh, yeah, you and the Father, Baron, where's your Father? They, they could take that in more than one sense. But if you'll notice over in verse 41, it says this, as he's arguing with them, he says, you do the deeds of your Father. He told them their Father was the devil. Then said they unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one Father, Father even God. The Talmud says that Jesus Christ was the illegitimate son of Mary. The Jews knew that Mary was pregnant before she was married to Joseph. And that was, you know, a stain in their minds on the whole process of his birth. He talks about his father. They say, oh yeah, where is your father? And we weren't born of fornication. You don't even know where your dad is. And there's, a, there's no doubt they're casting an aspersion at him and his family. They said unto him, Where is thy father? And Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my father. How would you know him if you saw him? If you had known me, you should have known my father also. Chapter 14, Philip's going to say, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. It sufficeth us. And he said, have I been with you so long, Philip, and yet hast thou not known me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Henceforth say no more unto me, show us the Father. And he says that to them here. You don't know your fa my Father because you don't know me. If you'd have known me, then you would have known my Father. And then it tells us these words spake Jesus in the treasury... That tells us he's close to the Sanhedrin's headquarters. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. 
And notice, no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. It's the sixth time we have not yet relative to his hour or his coming into uh, his redemptive work. One more time, I believe, in the gospel. He was not come. He's sitting there at the treasury. He's sitting there where, you know, people come and they're contributing. They, they have to put money. The first, there were 13 receptacles shaped like trumpets. They sat on the fat end like a trumpet. And the first two people cast in the half shekel. That was their temple tax for the year. Whenever they came, they were supposed to do that. The second two were for pigeons which was for offerings for the poor people and, and, and so forth. Uh, I believe the fifth one was for wood, for the fire, for the sacrifices. Uh, the sixth one was for incense that would be burned in the tabernacle, I mean the temple area. The seventh one was for the maintenance of the golden vessels of the temple. And the last six were free will offerings given the priest could do whatever they wanted with that money, and boy, they abused that. So he's sitting there by these trumpets. He's sitting there where these huge candelabras had been in this, uh, in this court of women, no doubt. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me. You will die in your sins. Because you're following spiritual darkness, you will end up in outer darkness. You shall die in your sins. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he said, whether I go, you cannot come. Now to the Jews, suicide was at the bottom rung of sins. If you committed suicide, they believed you were in the darkest place in Sheol, in the unseen realm. And they're saying, what does he mean? Where he's going, we can't come. He must be going to commit suicide if he's telling us where he goes. We can't come there. And I'm sure they were insulting as they said that as well. And then he said to them, ye are from beneath. I'm sure they appreciated that. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. He draws the line of distinction. You are from, and there's definite articles, you are from the beneath. He says, I am from the above. So there is a specific beneath and a specific above. Certainly, there is heaven above, and certainly there is earth and this present darkness that people walk in. He says, you are from the beneath. I am from the above. You are ek, out of this world. That's what's produced you. I am not out of this world. The, these, this clear line of demarcation, and, and you and I have to understand it, because <clears throat> we want to do all kinds of things to make the Jesus Christ relevant. We don't want him to be offensive. We don't want to say anything that's going to get under anybody's skin or bother them. This is Jesus talking. These are red letters. You know, Jesus, meek and mild. This is what he says. There's two worlds. There's up and there's down. There's this world and there's another world. That's how God looks at humanity. Isn't black or white or racial or Middle Eastern? It isn't all that. It's lost and saved. 
It's going to hell and going to heaven. That's what the Lord sees because all of this is going to end. This is all going to roll up. Time the way we know it is coming to an end. You should know that just by looking at the news. Even if you're not a believer, you look at the insane people that have their fingers on the buttons these days. And you realize one of them is going to fight with his wife or he's going to, you know, not have a cup of coffee. And he's going to come and say, what the heck? He's just going to push the, the button. You, you know, these are humans in charge of these things. Even if you're not a believer, where's your hope? In the U.N.? Oh, cut me a break. Washington? Come on. The Kremlin? World Health Organization? Where's your hope? There are two worlds. There's up and there's down. And Jesus says this in complete love. He's not being nasty. He's not getting back at them because what they said about his father. He said, you're going to die in your sins. I think he was completely broken when he said that. You're, you're, you're from the below. I'm from the beneath. I'm from the above. You're out of this world. It's produced you. I am not out of this world. In verse 24, he says, I said, therefore, because of all of that unto you, that you shall die in your sins. The reason, for if you believe not that I am, now he started there with the ego ami, the, the second one in the book was Jesus said unto them, I am the light of the world. This is what the burning bush said to Moses. Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14. I am. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You go tell them, I am hath sent you. And Jesus says here, if you believe not that I am, you'll see he's in italics, which means it was inserted. If you believe not that I am, you will die in your sins. Look, this is what the enemy always attacks, the deity of Jesus Christ and the word of Jesus Christ. And... and the Lord says, it's, it's not complicated. He didn't make this like, Marco, Polo, Marco, you know, like, he didn't make this like, you know, we figure it out, like this is being caught in a maze and how do we get through? He said, no, there's a light, like that pillar. It's not complicated. Everything else is dark. And that pillar led them through the trackless journey they were on that they couldn't navigate because they didn't have an internal compass. It protected them. It guided them. It illuminated for them. It kept the enemy away. And it's yours today, guys. Through the day, how often do I fail to walk in the light? How often do I succeed to do that? Because Jesus is always there. His Holy Spirit always speaks to me. His word rises off the pages sometimes to where tears are running down my face. This ain't a religion. It's a relationship. It's not about Calvary Chapel. It's not about a priest or a pastor. Bible studies, wonderful. Go to them. Reading Christian books, wonderful. Read them. Kids in Christian school, wonderful. Put them in Christian school. But the epicenter is following him. The most profound theology there is, is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. 
and he beckons us in all of this. I'm not of this world. Look, all the problems you're having now are first world problems. Second world, there are no second world problems. You know, Paul writes to the Ephesians, he writes to those in Ephesus in Christ Jesus. We have two addresses, in Philly and in Christ. And whether you know it or not, your problems are in Philly, not in Christ. Right? We live in two worlds. But we don't have dual citizenship. Paul says in Ephesians, uh, Philippians 3.20, that our citizenship is in heaven. Once we're born again, we're ruined for this world. Again, I remember when I got saved, coming out of the, the, the drugs, the, the lifestyle I was in, and, and then if you try to do those things, you feel miserable. You sit around and think, oh, Lord, please don't come till I come down, you know, don't appear now while I'm, you know, you know. It, 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 because all of a sudden you're in the light. Something has changed. And it's internal. And, and you grow in that in years. You know, Peter says that, that, that we need to learn as time goes on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and how to walk with him. That we would grow in that. John tells us about this light. He, he says, we walk in the light as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship with him. And in our fellowship with him, the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from sin. If we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. We make him a liar. Do not the truth. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My exhortation to you guys would be, walk in the light. Walk in the light. It's not a flashlight. It's not you. Our, our generation is confused because of these things. You know, when he wrote it, there was the sun, there was the moon, there was the lamp in the court of women. It wasn't real confusing. You had only a few lights to choose from. And his word was like the lamp at night and the light during the day. Look, we're the last generation. We're the last ones who are going to get a shot at this. I'm convinced Christ is going to interrupt our generation. The darkness is overwhelming. Sometimes you wonder, looking at everything, is the Antichrist behind the scenes giving orders or have the aliens have landed? What, what in the world is going on, you know? <clears throat> Something, there's a darkness behind all of the death and the hatred and the prejudice. All of this, there's something dark. And darkness draws people. The sexual part of it. You know, the, the money, the greed, possessing things affirmation, recognition, retribution, revenge, you know. Jesus said, no, no, there's something above all of that. And you're walking through a tough wilderness. You need the pillar of fire to be your guide. Follow me. Don't run ahead of me. Don't lag behind me. Walk with me. I'm there. I love you. Because there are people that are going to die in their sins. He says, if you believe not, that's the unpardonable sin. That's the blasphemy of the Spirit. If you believe not, you will die in your sins and you will be in darkness forever. If you turn to Christ as a sinner, as a woman taken right in the very act of adultery, 
and you acknowledge him as Lord, you enter into the light. And you have forgiveness. And when, you know, you close your eyes in this world, you immediately open them in glory. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, what are you going to do? Forget about the church. Forget about Bible studies. Forget about, you know, how people are dressed around you. Forget about, there's one thing you need to think about right now is, will you die in your sins or will you die without your sins? When you take your last breath, are you going to die with your own sins on your record? Or when you take your last breath, will you use your sins be on the record of Jesus Christ? That's all there is. The rest goes by so fast. It goes by like a dream, the Bible says. That this life is like an illusion. Before you know it, you become your mom and dad. And then your grandpa and your grandma. Before you know it. It's over. That's why Moses said, teach us to number our days. We're all good with this? Okay. Walking in the light, we're all good with that? So as soon as you see Jerry not walking in the light, I want you to let me know. <laughs> let's stand, let's pray. And look, if you're here today and you've never come to Christ, forget about Calvary Chapel, forget about me. You need to come to Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. Something illuminates in your heart. Something changes that no human could accomplish. So as we sing this last song, look, if you've never been saved and you're interested in being saved, turning from darkness to light. It's not complicated. It's not church. You don't have to get offering envelopes to do that. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to do any of that stuff. All you have to do is let the light shine. And if you realize, Lord, that needs to change. I know it. Then you come today. He had already said, if you're willing to acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father is in heaven. He already said, no man can come unless the Spirit draws him. If the light is shining in your heart today, as we sing this last song, we're going to ask you, get out of your seat and come down and stand right here. Acknowledge Jesus in front of heaven and the angels in this room and that you're willing to receive that forgiveness, that the light is going on in your life. And you have a, a destiny that you have a compass in your life now. Let's bow our hearts and pray. And then as we worship, if you want to be saved today, you'll know that in your heart. You come. Lord Jesus, we, we put these things before you, Lord. We think of all the other religious leaders and social leaders and philosophers. And we know following all of that is darkness. Lord, I know following you is light, Lord. I, I know I'm still a child. I'm still learning to do that, Lord. I know in the ages to come, I'll still be learning of your grace and of your mercy. But I thank you for it this day. Lord, all of us do. We're so thankful to possess the light of life. And Lord, we do pray for any among us here that are in darkness, that are tired of it. They're tired of the emptiness, tired of the struggle, tired of the guilt. And they're just ready to jettison all of that and have a new beginning, Lord. To step into the light. We pray you draw them today, Lord, to come down to the front here to own you as their Savior.
And Lord, we trust you to do that work. You add to the church daily such as should be saved. We pray in your name. Amen.